Welcome to the Elite Professionals in Coaching Podcast, hosted by Chris Aird, business owner and CEO of With Purpose. Bringing you leadership, growth ideas, mindset transformation, and strategic information for the entrepreneurs, business owners, and community leaders. You will be encouraged, educated, and empowered to develop your people, implement your processes, and increase your income. Now get ready to listen to the newest episode of the Epic Podcast. Our special guest today is Mr. Brian Rubin, managing partner with Thomas Rubin and Kelly. Brian, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really glad and honored um, that you are on here, and I'm sure that life is a little busy, at least work is. So thank you for spending some time with us today. Um, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, a little bit about myself. Uh, I was born and uh, raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, lived there uh, up until going to college, uh, lived in New York for a few years, went to law school in New York, um, started out working for a production company in New York and thought I wanted to do that and then decided to go to law school. Uh, moved to Phoenix in uh, 2002, uh, have a beautiful wife, Katie, and two kids, Eric, who's 13, and Eliza, who is uh, four, going on uh, about 25. <laughs> Very good. Very, very good. So, um, okay. So I always ask our, uh, our, the people that are on this show with me, um, which would you clean first between a room, a desk or a car and why? Well, if I could, uh, show you what I wouldn't clean first is, is, is my desk. Uh, it, it's funny. My wife actually works with me. She's a paralegal at our office. And she can't come in my office. It, it, it just repulses her so much. But there's a method to my madness, I've got to tell you. It, it looks like, um, and I probably should start by saying, I grew up in a home where my mother was a pack rat. Uh, I mean, she wasn't like these uh, you know, cat people you see on TV. We didn't have a million cats running around. But she could not throw anything away. Uh, she, she, I, oh, I may need this someday. I may need this someday. That's what my office looks like. Um, my home, not so much. I think my wife would probably strangle me if, if, uh, it, it, uh, I allowed that to look bad. And, uh, my car used to look the same way as my office, uh, until I had kids and I realized they were spilling milk or, or food and stuff in my car and it started to smell. So I started taking a little bit of pride in cleaning there. So, um, uh, it would either be my car or my room first, uh, desk last. All right, and you know, you just you join the rest of us dads club of your uh, of the car smelling like soured milk. Oh, <laughs> are you? I'm sure you're pretty glad those days are over too. I am very glad. Uh, working on getting my daughter into a booster seat. Uh, however, the booster seat that I initially purchased, I thought, oh man, this is a great deal. I'm looking on Amazon. Uh, wow, this is like fifty dollars cheaper than what I paid for my son's. And then I realized when it came, uh, it doesn't have a cup holder that's uh, viable. So that, that's been a problem there. And where I thought I was saving 50 bucks, I, I'm now uh, 50 bucks worse off on the other end because I had to buy another <laughs> one. Uh, so I, I, I think I've remedied and rectified the smell and spill issue at this point. So, yes, I'm very pleased in that respect. Fun times, fun times. Uh, so, uh, Brian, do you have a, a, like a favorite word or phrase that you like to use? And if so, why? 
Oh, God. Um, word, probably not fit for public dissemination uh, in this forum. But uh, a phrase, um, I, I have always kind of lived by the mantra of do your best, um, no matter what the situation. Uh, don't ever quit. Those are kind of, now I'm getting into multiple phrases. <laughs> yes, okay. for one. But they kind of tie in together, I think. Um, and it, it's no matter what you're doing, uh, you know, you got to put in your best. And that was kind of instilled in me, uh, strangely, by my high school basketball coach, um, you know, who really preached kind of that positivity and, and, and do your best. And I've kind of tried to uh, do that as I've progressed in, in my life and my career and with kids um, and kind of the never quit and never give up. Uh, it's, it's funny. I said that I was thinking of last night my son was playing a video game upstairs and and they play in these kind of groups now which is foreign to me how you can kind of play with people who are all over the world um at the same time and the group of people that he joined in with on this basketball game were not particularly good um and he was about to drop the controller and walk away and I'm sitting there watching I said don't quit I said I said we, we don't do that so, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot to be said about that, about uh, doing that and it builds character and allows you to persevere in situations uh, where otherwise you may not. Yeah, I would agree. Actually, I had the same, almost the same type of situation with my own dad and it wasn't playing a video game. It was watching uh, my favorite baseball team, the Dodgers, um, the late 80s, and it was the bottom of the ninth. They were down two to one and, um, I was ready to call it quits, and and my dad says, "What are you? Where are you going? This is this is your team, right?" And I said, "Well, yeah." And he says, "Well, then you watch them through thick and thin." And um, the Dodgers ended up winning the first game of the World Series because of that, and I was able to see that. But the the story is the 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 moral of the story is what you just said. It teaches perseverance. It teaches commitment. It it teaches you to follow through with what you're committed to. So uh, you're you're doing well as a dad, sir. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Not that you needed me to tell you that, but so um, tell us a little bit about your business, um, your why, how did you get into it? Um, that type of thing. All right. So uh, my business, just briefly, uh, Thomas Rubin and Kelly, we are a, uh, a full service. Well, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily say full service in this day and age, but uh, we are a litigation firm. Uh, we do a large uh, number of different areas of litigation. Uh, the firm has been in existence uh, through various permutations since the late 70s um, and started out as a firm that largely did civil defense work, uh, mostly through insurance companies or, or defending retailers, slip and fall type cases. Um, over the years, it, it, it's kind of morphed to, to not only doing that aspect, which we still do a lot of, um, but in uh, also uh, representing uh, realtors and brokers and uh, malpractice cases, uh, we do do some real estate litigation, collections work, uh, just general business litigation. So it kind of runs the gamut of litigation with the exception of we don't do any family law, uh, immigration or that type of stuff. Um, I, I initially became interested in, in litigation. It, it's funny, I had uh, my second year of law school and typically what happens uh, between your second and third year of law school, and I went to school in New York City, um, you get, if your grades are good enough, unfortunately mine, mine were, 
you get recruited by some of the bigger kind of uh, Wall Street firms or, or, or bigger firms that do uh, a lot more of the corporate stuff. Uh, so I had worked my, my second year summer at a, at a pretty big firm there doing some transactional real estate stuff. and I really, really disliked it. Um, there were a number of aspects that I disliked. I, I think the biggest thing that I disliked was, uh, I mean, this was a three or 400 attorney firm. So it was very impersonal and it, it just didn't fit my personality. Uh, so after I finished that, I decided to try and find something else because I was really dead set at that point. Oh, I'm going to do transactional real estate at a big firm. Uh, so right after that ended, I got a job at a very small firm uh, down, well, this was when the World Trade Center was still there, um, right by the World Trade Center. And, and this firm did all insurance-based litigation, a lot of fraud stuff, which, which I found interesting, a lot of life insurance fraud. Up until that time, I, I was unaware that a lot of this stuff existed, at, at least uh, uh, you know, in, in that type of scope. Um, really, really enjoyed it, enjoyed the work, enjoyed the people, enjoyed the client base. Um, it, it was a much more personal type thing. It, it, it wasn't as what I found to be sanitary in kind of the uh, real estate realm. So uh, when I graduated law school, I decided to move to Arizona. My brother had just graduated from Arizona State and kind of had uh, gotten sick of the Northeast winters. Uh, September 11th had just happened. Oh, wow. And, and it was one of those where it was the perfect storm to kind of drive me out of what I considered to be a comfort zone, living in kind of large uh, major metropolitan in the Northeast, uh, and came out here looking for and, and found uh, the firm that I'm with now. It was, uh, and that's the only place I've worked here for uh, almost 20 years. Wow. 20 years. That's a long time. So you, so you were in New York and you left because of the weather and that just happened to be around uh, 9-11 then, right? Yeah, no, I, I graduated law school in May of 2002. So I was in my last year of law school um, when September 11th occurred. You know, I mean, I could give you my story briefly here because most people seem to find it interesting. Um, so my school that I went to, it was called New York Law School. It was uh, uh, about 12 blocks from the center. It may, it may have been a little bit further, but it's in Tribeca. I mean, it was within 15 blocks. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a car in New York. I didn't have a car growing up in Philly either, public transportation. So um, I had to take a basically from my apartment, which was, uh, you know, kind of east side of, of Manhattan. Uh, uptown down to Tribeca for law school. And I had a 9 a.m. class that morning. Um, and I was actually running a little bit late, uh, I'll admit to that. And, uh, you know, came up from the uh, subway and the first building was on fire. And no one had any clue what had happened at that point. Um, you know, I'm kind of on the backside, uh, kind of on the opposite. Uh, the Statue of Liberty would be the, the riverside there. And we were kind of back the opposite direction. So you couldn't see anything other than the building burning and a hole in it. Um, so, you know, I just started inquiring with some of the, you know, other people that are kind of looking up and gawking and no one had any idea what had happened. Uh, you know, the federal building was right kind of, uh, I'd say two blocks adjacent to where I came up from the subway. 
So at that point, I just started walking again. And uh, next thing I know, I'm right in front of the federal building, and there must have been, you know, 300 FBI agents that just come pouring out of there. And now I'm like, there's something that must have happened. So when I got around the corner and I got another view of the the Trade Center, you could see the other building on fire. Um, A very scary moment. Uh, You know, you, you have no idea what's going on. You know, at that point that it's not. Uh, you know, an accident, but you really don't know what happened. Uh, you don't want to go back down on the subway because you don't know if that's rigged uh, with explosives or anything like that. So they kind of ushered us uptown and I took probably one of the longer walks, uh, you know, I, I had taken during that time back to my apartment. Um, uh, it was just a, a very scary, surreal time. And, and it's probably one of the events that kind of drove me out of there other than than the fact that in order to live in New York, you, you've got to make uh, insane amounts of money and <laughs> unless you want to eat ramen noodles every night. Yeah. Um, well, I thank you for sharing. And I, it sounds even still like, you know, there's who you are today is, is by experiencing that uh, somewhat firsthand. Um, so thank you for sharing. I, I appreciate that. You know, going back and be just before law school, what caused you, what, inside of you wanted to make you go to law school was there like a a specific event or anything man we're having we're having a good free-flowing conversation here and i like it um so so basically you know just to give you my story so i graduated from the university of delaware with a journalism degree um and i had no idea what i wanted to do i think when i started college i thought i wanted to be a sports writer uh, you know, I took a sports writing class and then had an internship with one of the professional sports teams in Philadelphia and decided, you know, I really don't want to do this. Um, so I came out and I started working in an advertising agency, um, which I learned I really liked the office environment and kind of the, the free flowing, the collaborative type of, uh, of work, which that was. Um, I just didn't really love the work that I was doing. And, and, and frankly, in, in my experience there, and I, I, it's the first and only advertising firm I ever worked for. So I don't know if it was just unique to that advertising firm, but um, there wasn't a ton of synergy between the clients and, and, and the people at the firm. It was, which I found to be odd because I figured, you know, clients who weren't in the advertising business, you hire an advertising firm for their expertise, um, but a large number of the clients, you give them your expertise and, and that kind of got shunned. So I, I, I didn't necessarily love that environment. Um, so then I, I thought, you know what, I'm really, at that point I was really in the film and movies and, and, and this, that, and the next thing. So I moved up to New York because I got a job with a production company um, and, and was working in the legal department there um, for very little pay. Um, it was interesting. There, there, there is no question about it. Um, but again, going back to something I alluded to earlier, you know, to live in New York, uh, you know, even, even I'm not even saying comfortably, I'm saying less than that. Uh, above squalor, I guess, you need to be making a, a pretty good amount of money. And, you know, for what they were paying and, and what kind of the trajectory there was, uh, it, it, unless you get to the top of that uh, pecking order in, in either the legal department or pretty much any department at that company, 
um, there, there's just not enough pay to really survive there. And there's certainly not enough to, to you know, raise a family on, which I ultimately wanted to do. Um, so I had always, uh, you know, thought about being a lawyer and, you know, my grandfather, you know, who's, who's long deceased at this point, um, really had always said to me, you really need to go to a professional school. You need to go to a professional school. Education's great. And, you know, I, I poo-pooed it for, you know, a, a, a pretty significant amount of time. And, uh, you know, as I'm working for this production company, trying to figure out my next move, uh, you know, I, I actually spent a weekend uh, at the beach with a friend of mine from college and his family. Uh, and his father was a lawyer. And it just made the suggestion, look, you like talking, you like speaking. Uh, you know, that seems to be, you know, a good trait to have as a lawyer. Do you ever think of going to law school? Um, and that just kind of popped a, a light on in my head. And, you know, the rest is history. That's funny. That's funny. And it's just, it's the small little conversations that we have, right. That, that provoke that thought of, Hmm, I wonder. So, um, what are some of the things, Brian, you're, you seem to be very, you are real, very relational. What are some of the things that you have learned from being a business owner now? Well, it's an interesting question and, and it's a lot. Um, you know, I was mentioning before, uh, you know, we went live, uh, that, you know, they don't teach you anything in law school about, uh, how to run a business. There, there are no classes there. I was, as I said, a journalism major in college. I did not take a single business or marketing class in college. Uh, I was very uh, naive uh, and, and, and just ill-prepared to, to uh, kind of, I don't want to say take the reins of the business aspect. And the other thing was, uh, you know, for a long period of time, there was kind of that curtain that was up with the partners at the firm vis-a-vis -vis the associates where you really weren't uh, either ingrained and, and it really wasn't your issue to deal with the business and the way that that ran. Um, your job as a young lawyer was to, uh, you know, uh, service the clients and, uh, you know, generate revenue for the firm uh, in connection with that. So, you know, I, I was sort of, I don't want to say shocked a little bit at some of the aspects of, of, of just what it takes to, to run a law firm on a daily basis. Um, one of the other things that has proved interesting, uh, difficult, but I think it is a, a wonderful aspect of almost any business is there are a lot of different voices, a lot of people from, from, you know, different backgrounds, uh, that all have their own opinions, thoughts, et cetera. Um, and I think that, that that really assists and helps in, in, in what I've tried to foster with the firm, which is kind of a, a collaborative effort. Um, you know, it's certainly, uh, you know, the way that, that I run the business is not a, a, a draconian, what I say goes. Um, you know, I like having a, a lot of input, thought, um, you know, leaving it up to, to people that work with me. Uh, you know, to make decisions on their own and, and, and get input and insight from them. And I think that that's, that's very important. I think that's one of the things I've learned as I've gone on, uh, that everyone has something important and positive to add to the organization to move it forward. That's great, great wisdom. Um, and you know what, I would have thought that uh, going through law school probably would have had some sort of business classes 
um, or marketing. Um, but to hear that it doesn't actually does surprise me. So um, thank you for sharing. And I, and I, when you are looking at more of that collaborative approach, I can only assume, and, and you can say yay or nay to it, is that you're looking for people in your sphere of influence that maybe can bring in some of those tips and tricks of the trades, right? Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, we have a number of, of, of people wearing a number of different hats in our firm that aren't lawyers. I mean, every, every uh, law firm, and I, I guess there are some when you're starting out um, in scope, if you hang a shingle out, uh, you might not have enough uh, business or work to have a, you know, a, a, a significant staff. Um, but I think that is a lot of lawyers' goals is to get to that point. And, you know, we have seven lawyers in our firm, uh, a number of support staff from, uh, you know, clerical to legal assistant to paralegal to marketing to accounting. So there are a lot of people with different hats who have, uh, again, different experience levels at, at dealing with different things. Um, so there, there is no question that, that uh, you know, I, I, I lean on uh, everyone because I know very little about accounting. I know very little, uh, you know, about certain aspects of that, um, you know, as far as doing what I might consider to be, uh, you know, kind of the back room stuff, uh, filing stuff with the court, uh, making sure the pleadings are accurate. Um, you know, while the content of it is on me as the attorney, uh, the form and the other stuff is largely controlled by the legal assistants and the paralegals who have gone to school to, to, to really learn that aspect. So it, it definitely is a collaborative type effort where, you know, everyone's input and experience goes into that. Well, very good. And I think that that's what every business owner needs to do at some point in their their career, if you will, or to grow a business is to take that collaborative approach and recognize that we don't know everything. Right. So Absolutely. let me ask you this. Um, what, what would be one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you started? It's another good question. Uh, I, I think if I had known now when I started practicing law, um, you know, I'll start with that and then I'll segue into kind of the business aspect. When I first started practicing law, it, you know, a lot of what you do in a smaller firm is, is almost you're thrown to the fire. Um, you, you may or may not be ready for some of these things. Um, it's just there were certain aspects and certain things, uh, you know, when you first start that you go home at night and you think, oh, my God, did I screw that up? And a million thoughts go through your head. Um, and, and I think the, the, the one thing that, that, you know, looking back on it and, and I dealt with, and I think a lot of people in, in, in the profession deal with quite a bit of anxiety in that respect where you're not a hundred percent certain, uh, that you know what you're doing, but a lot of it, especially in litigation, there are laws. There's no question about that. There, there's case law, there's statutes, and they're pretty hard and fast. But a lot of what you deal with, um, with the practice of law and doing litigation is just dealing with making decisions on, uh, you know, disclosure of facts and other stuff that are prevalent to a case that there really is no wrong way to do it. Um, 
you, you might end up in a situation where it, it, it potentially, uh, you know, affects your case adversely. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is from a, a just a, a pure lawyer standpoint it, it is, you know, some of the anxiety that we deal with, uh, you know, over trying to second guess ourselves. And I think that that's probably present in a lot of different professions. Um, you know, unless and until you're able to get enough experience where you recognize that that anxiety is largely unfounded, um, you could be in a, in a pretty, uh, you know, uh, decent predicament there, at least within your own head. Uh, from a business standpoint, uh, what do I wish I knew when I started running the business? Um, well, the, the technology and other things are, are we're going to continue to be expensive, and I probably should have locked in uh, so, some long-term rates on some of the uh, technology that we utilized that I didn't, that I'm I'm now still paying for. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think that you never realize uh, exactly what certain things and how technology is going to move, um, and when you decide at a certain point, yeah, we're going to outfit ourselves with these Rolls-Royce computers that become obsolete two weeks later. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think I've lived and learned from that. Um, and, and that is one area where I will say that I probably should have uh, reached out to a professional and someone that uh, uh, was well-versed in, in, in that type of technology before taking the plunge. And, and I think that that's sort of led me a little bit uh, further towards the uh, collaborative approach and, and kind of turning to professionals rather than thinking that, yeah, you know, I may know something about this when I don't. Well, that's, you know, I, uh, that's common sense. And I, I don't think that any school in any industry can teach us um, those types of things. I think that those, that's the school of hard knocks, right? Yes, um, absolutely. So uh, what would be one thing that people seem to misunderstand about your industry? Uh, oh, I misunderstand. I, th I think lawyers, uh, although I think it's gotten a little bit better, uh, you know, have largely been been branded uh, poorly and, and have been kind of given a bad name. Now, there's no question that uh, some of that was earned at some point. Um, I, I will tell you that one of the pleasures of practicing in Arizona um, is it, it differs from uh, you know, where I grew up and where I went to law school, I think, in, in, in terms of, uh, I mean, there are fewer lawyers, but it's, it's a much more collegial community. And I can count on one hand um, the number of uh, dishonest lawyers. And when I say dishonest, are, are people that are, are, are committing crimes or violating ethical rules. Um, and, and, and those people have all been dealt with by the state bar that I'm alluding to. Um, you know, I, I, I think that we are misunderstood to a certain degree that while we may look bad in certain circumstances, I don't know anyone that's, that's chasing down an ambulance or pulling a patient out of an ambulance and signing them up. Um, you know, I, I, I think that those are some of the, the, uh, kind of false, uh, you know, uh, poor impressions that people have of attorneys, at least in Arizona. I, you know, I, I have never experienced that. Um, you know, so I think that that's, that's pretty well misunderstood and probably the biggest thing uh, that has given uh, lawyers a bad name. And I think, you know, 
unfortunately, uh, you know, not, not based in, in reality. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you adding a little humor to that because I think you're absolutely true. And I think that the listeners here are going to go, Oh, you know what? That's absolutely true. And it's good to hear that if they're practicing in a negative way that they're dealt with the state bar on that. So thank you for sharing. Um, Brian, going back to you on a personal level, if there was a book to be written about you, what would the title be? And then uh, what would the, the back end of that, like the summary on the back end of that book say about you? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not terribly creative, even though I worked for a production company, an advertising okay. agency, as far as thinking of it. I, I don't know. It sounds really stupid, but, you know, the first thing that popped into my head is, you know, Brian really cares about his clients. I mean, that, that if someone was writing a book about me, I mean, uh, and that's kind of one of the things I think with, 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 uh, you know, since I started and my first day at this particular firm, I was, uh, you know, in the office of the managing partner at the time. Um, you know, he called me into his office first day. Uh, and it's funny, I still have a little spiral notebook of my notes that I took from that meeting sitting in my top desk drawer at the office. Um, and, and I wrote down everything he said. And the biggest takeaway, and this is something that I've, I've really uh, you know, lived by in my professional career is, is he said, you have to care about your clients more than you care about anything. Now, obviously he didn't mean your family and health and stuff like that, but, um, that's really kind of the mantra and, and what I've tried to instill with the firm is you have to care. Um, these people, uh, who are our clients are entrusting us uh, not necessarily with their livelihood because we don't do uh, uh, criminal stuff or their life or their freedom, um, but they often entrust us with with big issues that deal with with financial concerns or uh, they've been wronged or they're being accused of doing something that they may not have done, accused of acting negligently, um, and we're kind of that last line of, of, of defense or or the last line of, of help for them. Uh, to, to either help prosecute or defend their case and their rights. Um, so that, that, that's very, very important to me is, is just, uh, you know, caring, uh, giving the utmost care and consideration to the client. Well, when we care for the people that we're serving, that goes a long way. So, Absolutely. Good. And, and I'm, I'm glad that that would be the name of the book for you. That uh, speaks volumes, if you will. I probably not law school volumes, but volume, sir. Um, what would be the best compliment you've ever received? You know, I can't think of a compliment off the top of my head. I think in my business though, uh, repeat business serves as kind of a, an unspoken compliment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been very, very fortunate, um, to have a very stable, uh, repeat business client base, uh, you know, do, like I said, a lot of work with insurance companies and self-insured entities. Um, and a number of them have been either, you know, uh, clients of the firm that predate my, uh, existence with the firm or clients of mine since I've joined the firm for, you know, 15 plus years. Um, and, and you know, I think it's, it's a testament to, I think, the firm and, and kind of the way we approach uh, business and the way we approach our clients in a, in a very client centric uh, manner, as I was talking about before we care. 
um, you know, I, I, one of the first things that I did when I became a managing partner, and I think this, you know, is a good thing for a lot of business owners to maybe consider if they don't have it. Um, I created something called uh, client services, best practices. And I, 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 let me say I created it. I ripped it off of a seminar that I went to from someone in another business. Um, at least the idea, obviously not the, 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 the aspects of it and kind of the 10 commandments that we live by in terms of servicing our clients. Um, and, and since, uh, implementing that, I, I, you know, I think it's created a greater sense of, of, of camaraderie culture. It's, it's done quite a bit to our firm, uh, all in the name of, of assisting our clients and helping our clients and, and kind of furthering, uh, whether it's a case of theirs, their business uh, interests, and, and uh, you know, I, I think that that's something that separates us from from the pack, um, because there are a lot of firms that do what we do, um, and and you know, I think over the past you know 25 years, there's been a seismic shift uh, in the litigation field in terms of the number of cases that get tried. Um, and that number continues to shrink and shrink and shrink. Um, so it's become less important that you are a dynamite trial attorney. Um, it's still important to, to be able to process and try a case. Um, but since, uh, and I don't know what the current percentage of cases uh, between filed and tried are, but I, I, I think that that number is, is in the 90 some odd percentile settle before trial. Um, you've got to have a number of skills uh, in terms of processing a case, uh, client service, client maintenance, uh, in that interim that are greater than the ability to to sit in front of a jury and get them in the palm of your hand. So, um, you know, I think that those type of things are what separate us from from you know a lot of the other firms in town. Very cool. So, Brian, just as we kind of close this up and we wrap it up. Um, what would be like two things that you would want our listeners to know um, about you, about um, Thomas Rubin and Kelly in summary? In summary, uh, I wouldn't even say it about me. It's about the firm because we really are a collective. Um, you know, we, uh, at least for the firm and for, for people who are prospectively uh, in need of legal counsel here in Arizona, and we do have uh, attorneys licensed in California as well. Uh, you are going to get unparalleled concierge type service. Um, you know, I, I, I mean it when I say a lot of people say it, you know, I'm available 24 seven. I really am. Um, I, I, I don't sleep much. Um, that's not to say that a few hours there, uh, you know, I, I might get a, a few hours of shut eye in, but someone is there to, to assist and answer needs. I, I can say no one has ever called me at three o'clock in the morning to to ask for anything, but I, I would be available. Um, and, and we really care about our clients, and that's the big thing: is is again caring about clients, caring about their rights, uh, protecting their rights, and, and and doing what's best for them. Uh, so so as far as the law firm aspect, I think that that's you know uh, truly what we're about. Um, from a, a business standpoint, if you're listening to this podcast and, and you know, or a new business owner, um, you know, I, I, I think the biggest thing is don't get discouraged. You know, things are going to uh, not be roses 
every day. Um, you are going to have potholes that you are going to, uh, uh, you know, drive over, uh, you know, puddles you will step in. Uh, just keep going. Uh, you know, don't quit. Keep persevering. Keep a positive attitude. Um, you know, and I, I think good things happen if, if you keep a positive attitude. Understand that uh, you can't control everything. Uh, and just focus on what you can control and be the best person you can be every day and try and grow every day and reflect at the end of each day and try and think of a thing uh, uh, that you gained or, or, or some method of, of, of learning or something that you've experienced that day that caused you to grow. Um, and, and I think that pushes you forward each day to do better the next day. Wonderfully said. Thank you so much. I, oh, we all you. tend to forget that. We all do tend to forget that. So those were great reminders. So um, Brian, for us, how can we find you? Facebook address, website, phone number, that type of thing. I am not a social media creature. Um, I, so I, I, I do not have, I have a LinkedIn page. I, I think you just type my name in at the top and you may find me in about 20 other Brian Rubens, but I'm the one. Uh, with Thomas Rubin and Kelly in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> okay. um, our website, our firm website is uh, azinsurancedefense.com. I think you can also type in TRK, that's uh, Thomas Rubin and Kelly firm, F I R M dot com. And that'll take you to our firm website, has information uh, and uh, has uh, a link to my email address and, and other contact information for other members of the firm. Wonderful. Brian, um, thank you so much for being on today. Um, I've learned a lot, not only about you, um, but about your firm and um, some, of, uh, some of the things that attorneys go through, as well as business owners. So there's, as, as you said earlier, there's multiple hats that you guys all wear. So again, thank you very much for taking a little portion of your time uh, to share with us uh, a little bit about yourself and your business. Chris, pleasure was all mine. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Anytime. Well, again, welcome to Epic, another podcast brought to you from With Purpose. My name is Chris Aird, and um, not only the owner, but as, as well as the lead business strategist. I hope you have a great day, and whether you say something, think something, or do something, do it with purpose. Thank you for listening to the Elite Professionals in Coaching podcast. If you want to stay in the forefront with business strategies and ideas, leadership conversations, tips, and empowerment, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and then share with your friends and fellow business owners. For more information about With Purpose and their services, visit www.withpurposellc.com.